I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headlines continue to be around lawmakers and pundits and even. Hollywood moguls discussing ways to curb gun violence through bans, background checks, red flag laws. What are we missing in the discussion? And are there other important voices and perspectives that we need to bring to the table? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. As we continue to look at all sides of the Second Amendment and what it means in the wake of tragedies and also in critical things in inner cities and other places around the world, we're always looking for all the perspectives and all the angles. Ermia Fanayan joins us today. And uh, Ermia, you have a, a really unique perspective uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment and gun rights. You've, you've seen a lot of different perspectives. We know that after uh, the shooting at the high school down in Florida, that you were part of the March for Our Lives, organizing that here in the state of Utah. Uh, and you've also worked all the way to uh, making sure that those in our LGBTQ community are armed and know how to uh, safely use weapons in, in defense. And so I kind of want to go on your journey for a minute uh, as we look at some of these principles and maybe how we can all look at the conversation just a little bit different. So describe your journey to us just a little bit. Well, you know, I started off in the gun control movement after that shooting. And during my time in that movement, I quickly realized that, A, uh, not a lot of the demands that we were asking for would truly put an end to gun violence in the way that the organization was suggesting. And B, plenty of the people who I was working with in the organization, um, you know, plenty of the uh, Democratic lawmakers, plenty of the lobbyists that I was working with, uh, plenty of even my fellow activists were completely failing to uh, call on the violence that the LGBTQ community was experiencing during the time and still to this day. And so this is when I quickly began to shift gears and, and begin to diso- dissociate myself from uh, the gun control movement and begin teaching uh, queer people, you know, the right to self-defense and, of course, to self-determination. So, so you described uh, an experience, a, a tragedy uh, from Minneapolis as really kind of being a, a catalyst moment in terms of saying, okay, you know, just having some pepper spray or something is, is not going to be sufficient. So w- walk us through that. Correct. There was a night 
uh, where a trans woman by the name of Ayana Gigor was violently mobbed in a gas station a late night. That was uh, a video that went viral. And when we uh, saw this video go viral, you know, there were plenty of people in the comment section who said, you know, we wish she had some sense of self-defense. We wish she had something to protect herself. And that was really uh, a click for me at that point. That's when I realized, you know, uh, she does need self-defense and pepper spray is more than likely not going to uh, protect her uh, by, from a violent mob that was uh, attacking her and putting her life in danger. So tell us about some of the things you're doing now in terms of arming and training and in that defense uh, mechanism uh, here in the state of Utah. Yes, certainly. Well, with, you know, the organization Armed Queers, um, we're currently uh, continuously working with instructors to best train our members as as much as we possibly can to uh, help them learn self-defense in ways that are safe, in ways uh, that are responsible, in ways that uh, understand the need for queer people to defend ourselves. And so, yeah, we're currently continuously training our members and and really hoping that they're able to uh, learn the means of self-defense and the need for self-determination. One of the things that I, I love about your perspective on all this, Ermia, is is recognizing that it's uh, it's not the extremes. It's not just the you know the, the far right proud boy kind of person, and it's not the far left uh, extremists that want to get rid of you know every possible thing. Uh, but you really have found and sensed this idea that there is a another path. There's another way to do all of this that's both reasonable and responsible. Yeah, and definitely. And, you know, what, what's important to recognize is that, is that there are uh, better solutions in this debate and that the two sides are offering incredibly uh, horrendous solutions and solutions that truly won't put an end to gun violence anytime soon. And so there is another path. There is a path where we have to begin understanding it is not necessarily about completely banning guns or and it's not certainly not necessarily about giving teachers guns but it's about these other factors we have to begin uh, holding uh, the police accountable as we've witnessed the police fail in instances where these tragedies have happened in instances where children needed protecting and they failed to protect the children we need to hold the gun industry accountable where the gun industry has been responsible for putting so many weapons out into the streets of, of America without any kind of responsibility or uh, recognition as to how this could harm the collective. And so these are the perspectives we need to begin considering when we talk about uh, what we need to do to prevent and end these tragedies. I, I think one of the important things that you, you've shown all of us in, in this is that staying curious, staying open, uh, and really looking at outcomes and results is, is how we have to to really look at this. And uh, there, there's far too few in our country and even in our state uh, that haven't been willing to say, OK, let's look at this from all the angles uh, and even experiencing some of those in terms of that that interaction. Uh, as you look at it, what are some of the things that you wish we would be considering or wish that we'd be having different conversations about when it comes to the Second Amendment? Oh, certainly. Well, I think what we definitely need to begin considering is firstly holding the gun industry accountable as a possible solution. The gun industry, of course, continuously profits off of putting uh, these you know, weapons of violence into our streets. And so we need to begin considering, you know, uh, how exactly do we hold the industry that has produced uh, such mass amounts of weapons accountable? Uh, and how do we ensure they can no longer benefit and continuously profit off of this? 
Another thing that we need to uh, understand is that there is, in fact, a structural issue behind policing in this topic. And it's not just about um, guns, but policing has, in fact, played a role in not only uh, not preventing these tragedies, but also uh, doing absolutely nothing to ensure some of the most vulnerable are protected during these instances of violence. And we can understand all of these positions while still recognizing the fact that um, oppressed people, such as queer and trans people, uh, should have the means to self-defense and we should have the means to self-determination. And this isn't necessarily antithetical to the fight to prevent gun violence from ever happening again. Uh, great perspective, uh, Ermia Fanayan. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a crucial part of the conversation and uh, making sure we all continue to be open to explore all the possibilities and realizing that we don't have to buy into the fake fight and the false choice, uh, but there are ways to really get to better solutions and better outcomes. Uh, Ermia, thank you so much for joining us today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think it's interesting to to look at all the perspectives uh, in this. And while you don't have to agree with every piece of every solution, there are pieces of every solution that, if put together in the right way, uh, would probably lead us uh, towards the right result. And that's where we've really got to start to think again and think differently uh, when it comes to how we approach these conversations, that we don't just immediately go to our corners, that we don't just immediately stop listening, that we don't immediately have instant certainty over where somebody sits on an issue, uh, but that we allow people to evolve. We allow ourselves to be open to new information and insight, and then that we're willing to come to the table and have a honest, crucial conversation Uh, about the crucial issues of our time. We've got to do this just a little bit different. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.